All right, y'all, you're locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about how big a loss is losing Cordero Patterson to injured reserve. We'll talk about how pro football focus showed that the offensive line had a dominant day running the football. And we'll talk about the tale of two Marcus Mariota's, the good version when the Falcons utilize their play action and the bad version when the Falcons don't. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Serious Black, a.k.a. your very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And we thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. It's, of course, free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Falcons on youtube and you'll get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops so a lot of topics to get into on today recording this monday night and it was it was a great morning for me i got some sleep i was pretty tired yesterday and i was able to get a well-rested night of sleep woke up monday you know it's victory monday feeling good about the falcons when seeing people get online and feeling compelled to defend Marcus Mariota for some reason. And so, uh, you know, I spent a, a good portion of the morning trolling those people. So I was having a, 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 the time of my life, uh, so to speak. And then sort of that kind of got ruined this afternoon on Monday afternoon when, you know, we found out that Cordero Patterson is going to injured reserve. Uh, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith said it was a minor procedure and we don't know what exactly type of procedure it is, but let's speculate for a second. You know, it sounds like it may be the type of like meniscus cleanup um, that he had Monday morning. And usually that's, you know, when you sort of research that it's like a two to four week recovery time. Sometimes it's a four to six week recovery time. So he's going on IR and we'll know that he'll miss a, at least a minimum of four weeks. Hopefully it's only going to be four weeks, uh, but we'll sort of see. So the earliest we could see Cordero Patterson back playing for the Falcons is that Chargers game in week nine. You know, my guess is the Falcons won't necessarily rush him back, given his age, given that he was already on a pitch count. So they'll probably take it slow. So it may be beyond that Chargers game in week nine before we see Patterson. And obviously the Falcons will have to have guys fill the roster spots for him in that void in the Falcons offense. Um, Officially, Caleb Huntley is now filling that roster spot because the Falcons officially elevated him from the practice squad to the roster on Monday. He was elevated for the game on Sunday, uh, and now that's kind of official going forward. And we knew that if he had gone back on the practice squad uh, this week, there was probably a good chance that someone based off of his performance against Cleveland would scoop him up and put him on their roster. So the Falcons were able to make that happen. Notably, replacing uh, Huntley on the practice squad will be Cornell Armstrong, the cornerback that had a pretty good camp for the Falcons and potentially was a guy that could have, you know, earned that number three, number four cornerback spot that D. Alfred and Mike Mike Ford, I'm sorry, uh, ultimately earned, but then got injured uh, midway through uh, training camp and went on injury reserve. And then the Falcons released him a week later uh, with an injury settlement. And according to his agent, he did have some interest coming off of that injury settlement where he could start, you know, looking at. 
you know, signing with another team. He had some interest from other teams, but apparently he really wanted to return to it. The Falcons and the Falcons were able to make that happen Monday morning. Um, and notably with Armstrong, there's a couple other players that are eligible to come back from injured reserve, uh, you know, this week. Uh, it's Marlon Davidson, John Fitzpatrick, Deion Jones, Jalen Mayfield, Isaiah Oliver. I would look at that list and say, you know, Davidson and Oliver could help the Falcons out immediately uh, just because, you know, you could have both of those guys playing significant snaps this Sunday against the Bucks. You know, everybody else of that group, Fitzpatrick Jones, Mayfield, I think probably will be riding the bench, even if they do get elevated um, to the Falcons roster over the next couple of days. So we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. I believe Damian Williams, the Falcons running back, will be eligible next week to come off of IR because he went on before the Rams game. So we'll see if that will also help fill the void left by Cordero Patterson. But we know that losing Cordero Patterson is a significant loss. I don't think it's like season changing or anything like that, because I do think Huntley and Tyler Algier did show yesterday. We even got a, a solid run from uh, Avery Williams as well, that they could pick up a lot of that slack, especially Huntley. And this isn't meant to sort of undermine, you know, Patterson's impact on the team, what I'm about to say, because I want to make it clear, as I've said several times on this podcast over the last couple of weeks, I feel like Patterson has been the linchpin for the Falcons offensive success, the keystone, whatever you want to call it. His running these first three weeks of the season was the foundation of this offense. Um, but the notable thing about Patterson is he's not a natural running back. We know he has a long history of playing wide receiver, obviously his success uh, as a kickoff returner. And, and don't get me wrong, uh, him being a quote unquote unnatural running back does not mean that he's not a talented running back. He runs hard and he runs with great burst. And I think that comes from his kick return background, because when you're a kick returner, you got to hit those holes hard and you got to run hard. You know, you can't dawdle, you can't dance or do any of that stuff. But I think the thing that when it comes to the running back position, Patterson's vision isn't great, right? That's one thing I've noticed on film this year and last year that he's not the most, you know, he doesn't have the best vision as a natural runner, which is sort of finding daylight. Like he's just going to see it, get it. That's what he does really well. And I say that because one of the things, at least watching the television copy of this Browns game that stood out to me was, and we'll see if this it gets backed up when I watch the all 22 uh, and I can see those angles a little bit better. But I did think Caleb Huntley showed a little bit more vision in uh, on several of these runs against Cleveland, as well as better burst and change of direction than he showed in the preseason. And that does give me some hope that, you know, he can kind of pick up a lot of that slack left by Patterson, right? There's going to be some drop-off with Patterson, but hopefully it's not going to be a huge drop-off because of a guy like Huntley. Obviously, he had a really productive day against Cleveland, had a 90% success rate on Sunday, which is obviously extremely good. That's not sustainable over the course of the season. Um, but I think, you know, we'll see what he can do this week against Tampa Bay. He's going to certainly need that burst uh, because I don't see the Falcons running up the middle to the same degree that they were able to do successfully against Cleveland. And, and what's notable about Patterson, when you look at the numbers and his success rate between the tackles um, and when he's running outside, he's been the team's best inside runner, right? Only about 31% of his runs have been up the middle this year, but he's had a 67, 67% success rate on those uh, middle runs. And you compare that to Algier, who had primarily been an interior runner. This is something I mentioned to Alan Sterk on yesterday's Rapid Reaction podcast. Uh, but primarily Algier going into the Browns game had been the team's up the middle between the tackles runner. 
right? And about 63% of his runs going into the Browns game were up the middle. And his success rate on those runs was only about 30%, right? Again, for those of you unfamiliar with success rate, you want that number to be above 40%. Uh, is, a, is a good success rate. Now, what no, what happened in the Cleveland Browns game is that Algier ran a lot more to the outside. I think only one of his runs uh, was put in the direction of up the middle uh, against the Browns. Um, and he's been a lot more successful running the ball to the outside as, uh, you know, getting a boost, uh, you know, from that Cleveland game is, is runs on the outside. It's 50, 56% success rate against the Browns, but 60% overall this season on runs to the outside, not necessarily between the tackles. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if the Falcons can maintain a successful inside run game without Patterson, given that he has been the primary bell cow there, even if he's not running a ton of snaps there. But when the Falcons do need tough yards between the tackles, it has been Patterson has been getting that more consistently than Algier. Um, and, We'll see how that fares over the next four weeks without Patterson. Uh, this week, I don't know if it matters all that much just because I don't think you necessarily want to run it up the middle against Tampa Bay's front with Vita Vea and, and Akeem Hicks. Now, the thing that's notable about Tampa Bay's run defense this year is they haven't been that great this year, uh, particularly up the middle. So that will be something that we'll unpack as the rest of the week unfolds when we get into this specific matchup. But it is something to keep an eye on. Moving forward, and I'm sure we will discuss it plenty this week and over the next month. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about the running game as we get into the analytics Tuesday portion of today's episode, because we're going to talk quite a bit about pro football focus grades for the rest of the today. And we're going to start by talking about how pro football focus showed us how dominant our offensive line was against this Browns team. Uh, on Sunday. And we'll get into all of that as we continue today's episode, guys. But our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I realized that I can be healthier these days. And AG1 is basically like a multivitamin that I don't have to take a million different little pills. It's just one scoop of AG1 with a cup of water first thing in the morning and my day starts off, right? Included in AG1 is 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, and a special blend of ingredients that improves my gut health, my immune system. It boosts my energy, my recovery, and my focus throughout the day. And you too can reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition with AG1. And to make it easier for you guys, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free year-long supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So guys, as we continue today's Locked On Falcons, I want to thank you once again for making it your first listen each and every day. And for your second listen, check out Locked On NFL so that you can get the key predictions for the NFL every single Friday. Locked On's local experts are giving you the inside scoop on the five biggest games each and every weekend, including Sunday night and Monday night football. Plus, you're getting betting advice from the field's leading experts in Online. Follow the NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL, available on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
So let's talk about the pro football focus grades. We, you know, we do talk about PFF grades on this podcast somewhat, you know, my general rule of thumb for those of you unfamiliar with pro football focus and my thoughts on pro football focus is I think about 80% of the time their grades are in the ballpark or pretty spot on. Uh, it's about the 20% of the time that I disagree with. And more often than not, because, you know, I'm, I'm so focused on watching the all 22 and giving you my thoughts, watching the film. I tend to bring pro football focus focus up in the context of the 20% that I don't necessarily agree with more often than not, but 80% of the time. And we'll probably, you know, we'll see what the film says and we'll see if, you know, these grades wind up being about 80% accurate or better. Uh, But what was notable is how well pro football focus uh, graded out the Falcons on the offensive line. Chris Lindstrom was the highest graded player in the entire league. Doesn't matter in position. In the entire league, obviously, we'll see what happens Monday night. But uh, through Sunday's games, he was the highest graded player, according to Pro Football Focus, in the entire league with a 97.1 grade. Obviously, their grades go up to 100. He was obviously the highest graded offensive lineman. His 94 run blocking grade was the highest among offensive linemen. And it was the highest of any player in the league, except for Kansas City Chiefs fullback Michael Burton got a higher run blocking grade, largely due to the fact that Burton, I think, only played like six snaps uh, in the game. And, you know, obviously Lindstrom has been one of the highest graded guards in the league. And I think this week probably pushes him to number one. I think their highest graded guard through four games this season. So he's off to another great start. He's been sort of the rock, the foundation of this Falcons offensive line, the strength of this unit, a guy that, you know, was well on his way to potentially earning an all pro. We had Jarvis Davis on the locked on Falcons postcast on locked on sports Atlanta Sunday afternoon saying he thinks Grady Jarrett's on the, on the way to all pro we can probably say Chris Lindstrom's on a path to having an all pro season as well. And we'll see if he gets the recognition, you know, offensive line in that stuff is often, you know, a popular, more of a popularity contest than a lot of other positions where at least you have certain stats. And so we rely a lot on pro football focus grades to tell us who the best offensive lineman is, but moving on from Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry was the second highest graded offensive lineman in the entire league uh, this week uh, with an 89.5, uh, great. His 90 run blocking grade was also second behind, of course, Chris Lindstrom among offensive linemen. So, of course, you know, Kayla McGarry's doing great. So Kayla McGarry Island, I'm sorry, is doing great so far this season. Don't worry about the hurricanes. You know, it is faring pretty well so far. We'll see what happens. Obviously, he's had a history of struggling against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although last year he did pretty well against the Bucs in both of those matchups. Shaq Barrett was mostly a non-issue in this game, so we'll see what happens uh, this week if he can continue this progress and continue this growth that he's shown so far this season. Chris Dahlman uh, had a 77.5 overall grade. That was the number two center, tie number two with Raiders rookie center Dylan Parham behind only Creed Humphrey for the highest graded center this week. Uh, his 78.5 run blocking grade was also number two behind Creed Humphrey this week. Elijah Wilkinson had a 77 overall grade. That was the fourth highest guard in the league this week. His 76.1 run blocking grade was number seven among guards. Jake Matthews had a 67.3 overall grade. That was 23rd among offensive tackles. His 63.8 run blocking grade was 30th among offensive tackles. And that number obviously is not as good good as the other guys, but that's still an above average grade among tackles this past week for Jake Matthews. So even though it's quite not to the level of the other four starters up front, he did have a good solid day as well. 
Keith Smith was one of the highest graded fullbacks. His 70.9 run blocking grade was the fourth highest among fullbacks. Parker Hesse was one of the best run blocking tight ends this past weekend. 70.6 run blocking grade was number 10 among tight ends. Kadero Hodge had an 83.6 run blocking grade, which was the third highest among wide receivers. Drake London also had a good day run blocking 71.9 run blocking grade, which was number 16 among wide receivers. And of course, we already talked about Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier having good days. Uh, Huntley was the number two highest graded running back overall with an 86.7 grade. And Algier was number seven on that list with a 77.4 overall grade. So clearly pro football focus grades this week uh, were showcasing that the Falcons were dominant in the trenches in this game like we hoped to see from them. And that was not only reflected in the pro football focus grades, but when you look at the box scores with the 200 plus rushing yard day, and again, the high success rate from a number of players. So it was a complete team effort for this Falcons offensive line and running game. You had the running backs have great days, the fullback, the wide receivers were getting in the action. The tight ends were moving the pile. And of course the offensive linemen were doing it too in the run game. But What was notable is that the offensive line did not fare quite as well based off of the pro football focus grades when it came to pass protection. Both Dolman, both Wilkinson had sub 60 grades in pass protection. They both gave up two pressures each in this game. Wilkinson was credited with giving up a sack in this game, according to pro football focus, although that sack seemed to come on a stunt. And based off of me watching the game, I think that would be more on Jake Matthews because he didn't adjust to that stunt. But we'll see if, you know, I think differently when I watch the film uh, on tomorrow's episode. Uh, But I bring that up because Marcus Mariota struggled in this game. And some of that may be due to the fact that he was the most pressured quarterback in the league. In week four, according to Pro Football Focus, being pressured on a league high 55% of his dropbacks. And we'll get into that conversation as we continue today's Locked On Falcons talking quite a bit about kind of the two versions of Mariota, the play action version that's very good and the non-play action version of him that's very bad. And we'll talk all about that as we continue today's episode, guys. But before we get there, I want to tell you about the number one source for all your football betting needs and info this season. And that is, of course, betonline.net, where you can find all the latest player developments, matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis for every game, including this weekend's game for the Falcons. The Falcons are eight and a half point underdogs against the Bucks on Sunday, heading into week five, which is, you know, not a close margin, but given that I think earlier this summer, like the Falcons were like 14 point underdogs uh, to the Bucks, kind of tells you how much Vegas and Bet Online feels much better about the Falcons today and much worse about the Bucks than they were a month ago. So that's a positive sign. And if you want to take advantage of that, head to Bet Online, your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live in game betting and up to minute scores for every sport, including Major League Baseball, college football, MMA, boxing, golf, and so much more. Head to the website today at BetOnline net or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts so guys i want to talk to you a little bit about a new feature we have here with the locked on sports atlanta podcast family locked on falcons as well as all the atlanta podcasts are now available on roku and amazon fire tv you get the same great local sports coverage 24 7 and it's free all you have to do is download the locked on sports atlanta app today on roku or amazon fire tv 
So, guys, as I said earlier, Marcus Mariota was the most pressured quarterback in the NFL this past week, according to Pro Football Focus, being pressured on 55% of his 20 dropbacks, 11 of his 20 dropbacks. And as you guys know, if you've been regularly listening to this podcast over the last month, we've talked quite a bit about pressure rate and sort of the a normal average acceptable pressure rate uh, for defense is 35% or higher. That's a good number. So obviously the opposite is true for the offense. You want to keep that number under 35%, which is a good mark. And so obviously 50%, 55% is well above uh, 35%. And that's notable because we thought going into this game that with Jadavion Clowney, with Miles Garrett out of the lineup, with Taven Bryan out of the lineup, that the Browns would have, almost no ability to get effective pressure in this game. And at least based off of the pro football focus grades, that clearly was not the case. Now there is a little bit of a caveat, right? He was pressured on 11 dropouts. Six of those came on play action. And sometimes due to play action, you know, on those rollouts and those bootlegs where they leave that backside, when that guy can run at the quarterback, that is counted as a pressure according to pro football focus and myself when I do my film study. So some of that may just simply be due to the fact that it was, you know, by design that there was an unblocked defender. So one of the things I will be focused on when I go back and watch the film tomorrow is, you know, how much of that pressure was just kind of an unblocked defender uh, that was let loose by the design of the play, or was it just simply guys actually getting beat from time to time? And so, Talking about that, you know, unblocked defender on play action brings us to the next point, talking specifically about Mariota and how effective he is in play action. He had one of his worst days against the Browns uh, when utilizing play action. PFF gave him a 51 passer grade against the Browns when the Falcons utilized play action. And when you look at his previous games, when the Falcons utilized play action, he earned grades of 74, 76, and 68. So clearly it was a bad day for Mariota when it came to the play action. He only completed 27% of his play action passes against the Browns, according to PFF. And going into this game, his completion rate on play action passes was 71%, right? And, you know, that's obviously signals how much play action passing has been a strength of the Falcons and Mariota so far this season through four weeks. Mariota's uh, play action passing grade is 71, which ranks 17th out of the 33 uh, starting plus quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, according to PFF. And the Falcons have utilized more play action over the first month of the season than any team uh, in the league, counting for 48.7% of their pass plays. And the last two weeks, they've dialed that even more up, right? It's been 61% combined just in the past two games alone against Seattle and Cleveland. And, you know, what's notable is that if you compare that to the highest rate over the last five years of any quarterback, I know PFF has play action passing stuff that goes back a decade. So, uh, but going back over the last five years through four games, right? You know, Jared Goff is the most, the highest number with a play action passing rate of 48.9%. So slightly above the 487 that the Falcons had. Goff had that with the Rams back in 2020. Uh, so basically what that's telling us is that Mariota and the Falcons usage of play action passing, at least through the first four weeks of the season, is operating at kind of close to a historic clip. And so that's probably not going to be sustainable over the course of a 17-game season. So that number will probably dip uh, as we get further in the season. There will probably certainly be games where the Falcons dial back their play action because they fall behind. Hopefully we won't see those games for a while, uh, but we'll sort of have to see about that 
typically a league high number is around 35, 36% over the course of an entire season. You look at Arthur Smith's offenses in Tennessee in 2019 and 2020, uh, 2020 when they were like number one or number two in the usage of play action in those years. And they were only using it about 32, 36% of the time in 2019 and 2020 respectively. So, Part of the reason why the Falcons are dialing up so much play action is theoretically it's meant to slow down the pass rush. And obviously against the Browns, at least based off of the pressure rate from pro football focus, that was not necessarily the case. That was certainly the case uh, in week one against the Saints, where the Saints were only able to get pressure on about 11 percent of the Falcons play action dropbacks. Now that number has ratcheted up in recent weeks against the Rams. That was 40% pressure rate by the Rams, 41% pressure rate by the Seahawks. And then again, 55% by the Browns this past week. So it has not been as effective at limiting pressure uh, these last couple of games as it was in week one, but still theoretically it is a good way of limiting pressure and limiting sacks. If you have the mobile quarterback, like Mariota is now what's notable Also, is when we look at non-play action passing plays, 56% pressure rate for the Browns on non-play action passing plays, which again is much higher than uh, the other games so far this season. And when we look at the non-play action passes, that has been something where Mariota has struggled with throughout the season. Although against the Browns, it wasn't particularly worse than had it been in other games so far this season. He just has not been very good when the Falcons aren't using play action passing. You look at his pro football focus grade against the Browns on, or no, overall the season it is a 48 passing grade, which is 29th uh, out of 33 quarterbacks, his passing grade against the Browns was 52. So marginally better than what his average has been uh, this season. Earlier games, he had a 43 against the Saints, a 53 against the Rams, a 63 against Seattle. So it seemed like he was upticking in the right direction, at least getting closer to league average until the Browns game, but roughly on par with what we had seen on average the last three weeks. Now, his completion percentage on non-play action passes is 54% this year through four games, which ranks 30th in the NFL. And he's down there with guys like Justin Fields and Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield uh, in terms of his passing grade and his completion percentage on those non-play action passes, which is not a good group of players to be with. And, you know, that kind of tells you it all with where Mariota is as a passer at this point in time. He's a well below average passer at this point in time, except for when the Falcons are utilizing that play action passing, but that wasn't the case on Sunday. Now, when you look at his uh, adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya on play action passes, it's 6.98, which is a good number. If you compare that to uh, whether it's play action or non-play action to all quarterbacks in the league, that would be the 10th highest Anya in the league currently, right? 6.98 would be, I think that's Trevor Lawrence's roughly around where he's at 6.95, somewhere in that range. And his Anya Mariota's that is on non-play action passes falls to 4.46, right? Which would be, you know, again, comparing it to all quarterbacks on all throws would be the third worst adjusted net yards per attempt in the league. So basically he's a top 10 quarterback when the Falcons use play action. He's a bottom three quarterback when the Falcons don't use play action using that adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya metric, which is probably the best, most comprehensive uh, single stat that you can look at a quarterback, even more so than quarterback ranking when it comes to overall team efficiency, passing efficiency and team success. It correlates slightly higher 
the two wins and losses than uh passer rating does. Obviously the stat that correlates the most to wins and losses is, you know, point differential, uh, you know, scoring more points than you give up. You tend to win those games. Right. But um, you know, the second probably most important stat when it comes to uh, extrapolating team success is those sort of passing efficiency metrics, uh, including Anya, which is slightly ahead of passer rating. Uh, but What's notable when you compare Mariota's Anya, you know, obviously most quarterbacks are much better, much more efficient utilizing play action than they are not utilizing play action, which is part of the reason why play action uh, usage has skyrocketed in the league over the last, you know, five ish years. It used to be like, you know, 25% was a high bar. Uh, I think that was like what, what RG three set in 2012 and he led the league in that year. Uh, and now like 25% may not even get you in the top 10 uh, in today's NFL in terms of usage of play action. But um, using the pro football focus data, uh, the league average this season in terms of uh, Anya on play action passes is 7.7 and the, the league average on non play action passes for Anya is 5.4. So Mariota is actually technically below average in both categories, even though he's much better on play action passes, it's still below average uh, by league standards. Although those numbers aren't 100% accurate. Uh, I should clarify uh, because pro football focus does not keep track of keep track of how many yards are lost on sacks on play action versus non-play action passes. But I just, um, calculated those using what would be the, the average number of yards per sack on those plays. So give or take, you know, you know, maybe it's 7.8, maybe it's 7.5 rather than 7.7, but like, it, it's not going to change that number all too much, uh, in all likelihood. So that kind of tells you, uh, sort of the tale of two Marcus Mariotas. And obviously, um, the Falcons will want to get better performances from him utilizing that play action moving forward. And that's going to certainly be key for this team moving forward, going up against much tougher defenses with Tampa Bay, with San Francisco, with Cincinnati over the next couple of games, defenses that have played very well uh, through, you know, four games so far this season or three games in the case of the 49ers. We'll see what happens on Monday night with them and the Rams. Obviously the chiefs uh, really took it to the Bucks on Sunday, but you know, I don't think the Falcons should be compared to the Chiefs. I, I know, crazy, crazy thought there. Uh, you know, I don't know if we can expect Mariota to put up a Mahomes type of performance uh, on Sunday. So we'll have to rely on that run game and that play action passing game, and we'll see if the Falcons are up to the task against some of these better defenses. And that goes back to a conversation we had last week on the podcast where I do felt like, you know, hopefully coming off a of Browns win, which the Falcons did achieve, that we would kind of know where this team really is over the next three games going up against quote unquote, higher levels of competition. But one of the things that we've seen so far this season are teams that the Bucks and the Bengals and the 49ers are not nearly the juggernauts that they appeared to be back in August. All of those teams, I think people were looking at as potential Super Bowl teams. And right now we haven't really seen that from any of those teams. Cincinnati seems like they're getting back in the form based off of their performance on Thursday night, but they're still far away from being, you know, on the level of teams like the bills and the chiefs uh, quite yet. And we haven't seen that from Tampa Bay or San Francisco. Maybe we start seeing that uh, on Monday night against the Rams for the 49ers. They always usually beat the Rams. And so we'll probably see that, uh, but we'll just sort of see if those teams get right games are the Falcons coming up or the Falcons can continue to make them get it wrong uh, to use that term. But that sort of wraps up uh, that portion of the episode. The last couple of things I, I want to point out, some other things that jumped out to me looking at the pole football focus data from this past Sunday is Richie Grant played 21 snaps in the slot 
on Sunday against the Browns, which led the team more than Drew uh, D. Alford's uh, 15 and Mike Ford had five slot snaps. And it just seems going back to something you heard me talk about coming off of that Rams game where I thought it made more sense for the Falcons uh, utilizing their big nickel in that game where they put Eric Harris in the slot. It made more sense to me to put Richie Grant in the slot uh, and having Jalen Hawkins be the deep safety and whatnot. Obviously, I don't think the Falcons utilize much big nickel because I don't think Eric Harris uh, or any of the other backup safeties really played much on defense. Uh, so the Falcons were utilizing that was more of their base package uh, and asking Grant to play more in that slot. So that would be something I'll pay attention to, to watch on the film, but that, jumped out to me. It looked like Dean Pease is, you know, admitting that he listens to the podcast and, and, you know, taking my advice on that front. The other thing that stood out to me was Arnold Ebikini had six pressures, team leading six pressures, including three quarterback hits, but his pass rushing grade, according to PFF was only 61.2, which is basically an average starter grade. And so that, indicates that despite the quantity of having a high number of pressures, probably the quality of those pressures was not great and, and not great on those hits and whatnot. Perhaps those are other instances where he was unblocked on a, on a play action or on a screen or something like that. And he was picking up pressures in that way that, you know, you know, get you a tick on the stat sheet according to PFF, but aren't going to get you high grades because essentially no one's blocking you. And so, you know, you would expect anybody to get pressure when you're unblocked uh, in that regard. So that will be something I'll pay attention to on the film on tomorrow's episode. If you guys want other topics that you want me to pay attention to, you of course can hit me up, you know, hopefully Monday, Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday morning are the best time to get those questions in and provide your feedback for me. If you want me to pay attention to that on the film, because that's usually the time when I'm watching the film and then I record those episodes usually Tuesday afternoon. So the earlier, the better. I already got a question from I am Sharpie on Twitter who asked me about what's going on with Pitts. That will be something that we'll discuss on tomorrow's um, all 22 review. He sent that in the third quarter of the Browns game. So he got that in early. So uh, take his uh, follow his example and send those in. He sent that in uh, via Twitter to locked on Falcons on Twitter. Uh, of course, you can hit me up on Facebook at locked on Falcons, send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Uh, you can leave a comment here on locked on Falcons, YouTube channel. And you can also hit me up in the discord. The locked on Falcons now has a discord. You can find a link to that in the description. And, and I, you know, as I said on last, week's episode you know it won't necessarily say ignore all the other places where people submit their questions uh but you know in the event of a tie i'll probably favor the discord a little bit more so that's just another reason to join the discord and get in on the conversation there uh but guys that will be what's on deck for tomorrow's episode and we thank you guys for making lockdown falcons your first listen whether it's you know today or tomorrow for the all 22 review but why not check out Peacock and Williamson for your second listen in addition to the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family? Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are giving you the lowdown on all the NFL teams, all 32 teams, giving you that expert analysis in less than 30 minutes every single day. It's free available wherever you get your podcast. And again, guys, go check out the Locked On Sports Atlanta uh, app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV if you haven't already and of course check out locked on sports atlanta all week long to get you covered on the braves nba season is starting up very soon so you want to check out locked on hawks of course the georgia bulldogs are going strong so check out locked on bulldogs locked on braves as well uh in addition to locked on falcons being your first listen so guys really appreciate you tuning in for another analytics tuesday episode we'll be back tomorrow with an all 22 review appreciate it till then